Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. In this episode, we're discussing Prom Night 2 and 3. I said we'd discuss part 4, but I watched it for the first time, and dear lord, that is boring. I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, how's it going? You know, I was actually, uh, I was also interested in why you didn't want me to watch part 4, because I watched part 3, and I was like, wow, this is... This okay. Is something. Well, this okay. Is something. So two and three, two and three have the comedy element and they have the wild special effects. There's a budget of some kind behind them. Part four, I swear to God, I'm an hour into it and like one person's died, nothing happens. It yes, technically it's a real prom night sequel. It takes place on prom night and it's about some escaped convict or escape mental patient who kills a priest and uh, decides he's going to pay back all the sinners on prom night for, you know, having premarital sex or something. I don't know. I tapped out. It, no budget whatsoever. Nothing happens. It's so dull. All right. So that's going to be a maybe for you on whether or not I should watch it? Or... <laughs> if you want to, it's free on YouTube. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you remember we discussed the first one. Yeah. Um, and, uh... It's very generic slasher. There's nothing really special about it, and we kind of questioned whether or not we should have added it to the show. But it's because it's you know it it, it was a franchise launcher, so yeah, that's why we thought really it would hurt us. Yeah, and it, it was a hit. It made like fourteen million dollars, so it was like significant to talk about. Um, but the fourth one, just like I, it was sent straight to video. Had no intentions. I think it was just to pad out the franchise. And there was a lot like this. Um, back in the day, if you saw the logo IVE on the side of a VHS tape, it was almost guaranteed to be a in-sequel name only. You know, like the Halloween, Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, Prom Night, stuff like that. Hmm. Did um, the third movie go straight to video? Was that a- the yeah. third one did go straight to video here. It was in theaters in Canada. Um, but the second one didn't do very well. It didn't become a cult hit until much later. But let's start off, let's talk about the sequel, uh, the unintentional sequel, I guess, of sorts, because originally it was called The Haunting of Hamilton High, and then the producers decided that they were going to rename it and reshoot some footage and sell it as Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, my fucking favorite title, I love that poster. <laughs> Everybody goes, their favorite, like, uh, what is it called? What, what, is it, what do you call it? That's, uh, there's the title and then there's a thing after that. What's that called? Oh, like the subtitle thing? Yeah, it sounds like that. You know, like everybody always goes, oh, Break into Electric Boogaloo or uh, Jaws 4. This time it's personal. I don't know what it is, like, when it's beforehand. But seriously, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Fucking love it. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a Carrie sequel, like a a secret Carrie sequel. Well, and it has a lot of that setup. It has... so, I mean, the first one is just a straight-up slasher. It has all the rules, you know, the, oh, who is the killer, the mask thing, or whatever. And, uh, which is funny, because Scream steals a lot from the prom night. And, and all the movies after that were, you had to guess who the killer was. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we knew, Michael Myers was always Michael Myers. He was never, like, a guess who this is. Right, yeah. I mean, there, there was always the, the element of, like, oh... Is he around the corner? Like, is he under the bed kind of thing? But yeah, it's never like a, a mystery of who the killer is. Right. But that was the thing that that and Friday the 13th set up for the genre. But in this one, of course, it's seven years later and the whole genre has changed completely. Straight up slashers are dead as a doornail. And now it's Nightmare on Elm Street is the hot 
property. And so you're seeing some of these franchises add in supernatural elements. Um, you know, with like the rune thing in, in Halloween 5 and Jason with the part 7 with the telepathic stuff or telekinetic stuff. And so this one, they, they combine Carrie and Prom Night. And I think it's a fucking hoot. I, I, I think this is a really fun movie. I don't know what it was like before they did the reshoots with more special effects. But I, I can't imagine it, it's as interesting as the final product. Uh, who is the, the, the actor? I kind of want to say Michael Ironside, but no, that's not it. No, it is. No, it's Michael Ironside. It is Ironside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's always great. So, anytime he's on screen, I'm having a ball. Um, I do love that uh, they kind of break away from Carrie a little bit. Where at the end, um, you know, it's not like trying to talk down the the monster. He just shoots her in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not put through with any of this bullshit. Let's just get it over with. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, there's a kind of a revenge. Well, a revenge on a prank kind of thing, which is another cliche of the genre uh, movies, is a, a prank gone wrong, and years later someone wants revenge for it, like in Terror Train and in uh, Valentine. Um, but this one, it brings it back in a supernatural way and, and unleashes her spirit, and it gets into this young lady, uh, first by manipulating what she's seen and killing the people around her, then it just takes full-on possession. And it's actually a pretty terrifying scene. Um, yeah. At the prom, instead of the pig's blood, uh, basically another body comes out out of out of her corpse. Yeah, and they they did take that though from uh, uh, demons uh, from a couple yes. years prior, and I've seen that stunt done a couple times after demons, but I think this one was really effective. Um, they did that in uh, Evil Dead as well. Oh yeah, you're right. So I guess Evil Dead did do it first because the arms shoot out, but this is like a full on climb out of the body. Yeah, this is the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, my favorite special effect is the sucked into the chalkboard. That was great. Uh, the one that actually, the, I, I really like the, the scene where she's in her room and the, uh, the, the rocking horse unicorn thing. It's like the eyes are following her. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, really or, effective, really creepy. There's, there's a sequence in this, and this movie is ruthless. Anybody can die. There's really no rules on who is safe. And they just wipe out her best friend like nobody's business. Um but then they wipe out that one girl who is in the locker room. And I thought it was a bold scene. Uh, and, and the actress, Wendy Lyon, who plays Vicky, uh, who's the one who's being tortured and then later possessed, she has to walk through this whole thing completely nude. And then, you know, the girl's running away from her and she hides in the locker. And they do just, just a simple special effect of just smashing the lockers together. I thought that was fucking brutal, but actually just really kind of amusing at the same time because it's so outrageous. Um... Man, I forgot what I was going to say about There's another guy. Oh, yeah. I might be mixing them up, but I am fairly certain. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that this is the one where the, the popular girl in school is giving that nerdy guy a blowjob so that she could be prom queen, right? Right. Yeah, manipulating it yes. with the computer, which I'm not sure how that works, but okay. The, the manipulation, not the blowjob part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That was a weird confession, if that was true. <laughs> yeah, that was a close one. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the, she she possesses computer and technology, computers and technology too. I guess I don't know. That part was kind of weird, but that was more like her her powers are kind of going beyond uh, out of control kind of thing. Yeah, or well, it's also rubber reality. There's no rules, so it can just kind of you you the writer can just manipulate it any way that's entertaining. 
Yeah, it, it, is, it is a little bit jarring to go from sort of like the, the, the mystic kind of thing to like the digital is a little, a little weird. Yeah, well, I mean, I really only think the Freddy movies stuck to the rules, right? Didn't Whenever it comes to rubber reality, I feel like that's the only franchise where the writers were like, okay, these are the set rules. We got to play by this. But then again, we had a dog piss on the skeleton and it came back to life. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, they, they abandoned that by the third one. I think. <laughs> um, it, was, it was for the best, too. It got better after that. So. Yeah. Uh, I have arguments against four. I don't really care for four. Everybody loves part four. But I like part five quite a bit and six. Um, I can't remember uh, which one it is, but there's one where they actually tried to change the formula, and we talked about this because we talked about all of them. Yeah, uh, but it, it's that one where he takes over an entire town, and that one I thought was the most interesting. And they never went back to that; like they never kind of explored that that possibility. Yeah. The uh, so the young man who is in, on the computer trying to manipulate who actually won prom queen. Uh, he is the son of the producer Peter Simpson, and he is in different characters in parts two, three, and four. <laughs> like we weren't gonna notice. <laughs> uh, the kid, uh, wait, the kid that got a blowjob is so the producer's son? That's not a surprise. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like a nerd in this one, and the second, uh, the third one, he's a cop for a moment. The fourth one, I think he's one of the priests who gets killed, and. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so obvious if you watch them all right in a row. But I guess back then, nobody really like thought about that because you know they're years apart and and when they're released. Right. They didn't think that losers like us would be talking about it back to back on a podcast. So. No. <laughs> the podcast. What is that like? Uh, body snatchers kind of bullshit. I ain't doing that. The <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, regiment back then is what it would have been. Yeah, I've always been confused by, and I, we brought this up. I think when we talked about the the first movie is. Uh, the company um, uh, Avco Embassy had all these hits in 1980 to 1983, and they never did a single sequel. There's no sequel to The Fog, Scanners, this, uh, Escape from New York. There were later by other companies, but they had all of this money like sitting on the table, and they're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> So, well, I mean, you know, considering the sequels that came out, like, yeah, they're pretty bad. But I was just kind of surprised they made the right call. They, yeah, they they didn't like, they didn't damage their legacy in any way. So when they went out of business, all these franchises became you know open for distribution by other companies. So this was barely released by a company named the Samuel Goldwyn Company, uh, a weird subsidiary of MGM. Um, but it only made a few million dollars. But like I said, it grew on video like crazy. So two years later, we get uh, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, which really dives heavier into the horror comedy instead of just... Yeah. I mean, there's some that comedic elements in the second one. Go ahead, what? I said that movie is bananas. Um, but I will say this. I think that Mary Lou in the second movie, even though she's only in a small part of it, is more effective, I think. Oh, for sure. Because Lisa Sraj, like, she's in it for maybe 10 minutes at most, but I think she has, like, this this pull where she, you can't, she can manipulate and and twist things, whatever, and, and be scary and kind of sexual. Whereas the third one, I never really was scared of her. She would just seem like she was a comedic actress. Um, she's having yeah, fun. <laughs> no, nothing about it was at all frightening. I mean, even from the beginning, I knew I was in for a good time. When it just opens with demon strippers, and I was like, "Okay, I know." What this <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm in. <laughs> um, so yeah, this gets weirder from there. If you did like this movie, just be aware that if you buy it on DVD, 
um, or if it eventually comes on Blu-ray. Um, right now, it is the edited for television version, the version that I saw on USA Up All Night when I was 15 years old. The only way to see the full version is the VHS cut that we watched on YouTube because it, it really the TV version cuts out like 10 minutes. What 10 minutes? I don't remember there being any nudity. No, not really the nudity. It was the blood guts. And this is back mm -hmm. in the, the early 90s when you really still, even if it was airing at 10 o'clock at night, there were still tighter rules on what you could show on television. Now it seems like you could take someone's head off, pop it open, and eat the brains, and <laughs> no one cares. Um, yeah, do you, do you ever watch Hannibal when it was on? No, I haven't, but I've been told by everybody on the planet Jeez. that I need to watch that. Right. Like the first episode that I watched, which I think was like near the end of season one, there's a full-on scene of a guy cutting off pieces of his face and feeding it to a dog, and they showed all of it. And that was on network television. It was network TV. It wow. Was crazy. Yeah, but back then, any side of blood. Can't say the F word though. Still can't do that. Yeah, but seriously, back then you could not show a single scrap of real violence, no blood whatsoever. I can't imagine what some movies were like on television. Total Recall <laughs> must have been twelve minutes long. <laughs> yeah, that would be a confusing. Uh, a confusing movie to walk out of uh, if you were just watching on TV. Yeah. Um, so oh, another. Like he dreams about Mars and then he goes to Mars. I don't get it. Like, yeah, it's all it's all over. It's weird. Um, yeah. So in this one, yeah, they crank up the comedy. I think the 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 gore is still a lot of fun, um, but oh, yeah. this, the fear factor has definitely been cranked down. Um, in this one, Tim Conlon is the main character. I only know this guy <laughs> because I had seen this movie so many times on USA up all night. He's the bad guy in Revenge of the Nerds 3, which most people don't know exists, and was supposed to be one of the original members of Mad TV. Did you ever see that show? Oh, I did. I don't remember the original cast, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was only in like the first episode in some of the film segments, but he got hired to be on the very first TV show that Paul Rudd ever did called uh, Wild Oats. Um, but that was like his brief moment of fame, and I don't know what he does now, but uh, he will always have Prom Night 3 <laughs> for us to remember by. Yeah, it, walking into this one, you got to see it more as like a reimagining of weird science. Oh, yeah, if it goes horribly wrong. And he's an asshole. He gets everything he deserves. Oh, he's such a piece of shit. <laughs> it's so funny it's funny that the, the, the writer and director had the balls to go look this guy's an asshole he, you're going to be with him the whole movie <laughs> yeah and I also had like flashes of Christine uh, oh yeah, it, yeah it is kind of like that wish fulfillment of like getting everything you want uh, but at what cost is like that kind of setup but he was like a dick from the beginning of the movie so yeah, I mean, immediately this girl that he loves that's supposed to be his one true love that fights for him, even though she shouldn't, uh, he immediately just cheats on her. And just like, we're supposed Without to feel... About it. Yeah, just like, whoop, there's the new lady. All right, let's go. Uh, yeah, and then he does wake up naked in a school, and which I, I have a hard time believing that nobody saw him naked in the school before the first bell. <laughs> I always have this again. I, I don't know why I'm trying to insert logic into this movie. Um, so this is this is wild. Uh, do you know anything about the Menendez brothers? Yes. Okay. So, uh, and we might discuss this when we're talking about Fright Night. But um, the the Menendez brothers were famous. If you don't know, uh, out there in the audio world, uh, they were two brothers who were famous for killing their parents. 
um, and then trying to get away with it. It was a long, strung-out court case thing, and they've spoofed it like in uh, Cable Guy, and they did a bunch of the Saturday Night Live stuff about it. Um, but yeah, they're right for comedy, right? There. I know it's so weird, right? It doesn't seem like it's <laughs> good for, but um. Uh, their father was the head of live entertainment, which was doing, they ran that company IVE, uh, the direct-to-video line, and they were doing direct-to-video versions. They were trying to do a Fright Night 3, and then right before that got greenlit, he was killed. But the day he greenlit Prom Night 3 was the day that he went home and got killed. So this is the last movie. <laughs> I, I'm trying not to laugh, but it's just so bizarre. Like This, this is the last thing of your legacy is Prom Night 3. <laughs> That's hard. It's like that. Um, oh god, that Street Fighter movie. Um, the guy who plays M Bison. That was. Oh right, movie. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hard. Well, at least he gave it his all in that one. I, I will say that that's that movie's true. bad, he's but he's, he's having a ball. Yeah, nothing else I really want to say about this one. Uh, I still prefer two over three, but if you're not into like a lot of the horror elements, go with three. Yeah, I prefer three just because it just like right off the bat knew exactly what it was. It wasn't trying to be a sequel. It wasn't trying to be um, anything other than what it is, which is ridiculously stupid. Yeah, the second one, like I said, was a hybrid movie. It literally was a whole different movie that they added all these elements into later. Um, whereas Prom Night Three said, "Hey, people like what we did with two. Now let's go completely straight on into that." Um, you can see the budget restraints because a lot of it's closed sets, you know, it, it just looks like it's in some sort of lot, you know, some generic warehouse where they shot uh, the school. Um, but I think they spent the money well. It looks good. It, you know, it's well lit. It's got good audio. You know, some of these low budget horror films, they just look like shit. And they have nothing interesting visually or special effects wise to give you. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan of, of both. Uh, it really just depends on what kind of mood you're in. Yeah. Because uh, Prom Night 2 is a, a little more slow burn. Um, but uh, yeah, third one is just balls to the wall. Hilarious. I've uh, I've been going through the Howling sequels, which is another, like I said, the franchise I've put out. Um, trying to pick which ones we should discuss for the show. And I was like, well, I'll watch part four. It's a remake of the first movie. And holy shit, this is fucking terrible. So eventually... I will pin down the sequels. We gotta do two, obviously. Those are the rules. If you're gonna talk yeah, about howling sequels, you gotta do two. But so yeah, far, that's I'm. The one, that's the one with Christopher Lee, right? Right, and uh, the the yeah. 400 boob shots. <laughs> yes. Uh, three is too fucking weird, in my opinion. It's you can watch it if you want to. It's the Australian one with kangaroo werewolves, marsupial werewolves. Uh, I'm there. You sold me. Okay. <laughs> uh, five is, um, and they were none, basically. You know, Agatha Christie's novel set in a castle with a werewolf taking them out one by one. Um, six is a vampire versus a werewolf at a circus, which is, I remember, being good. So those are up for the offering. But next we're going to be discussing three kind of under-the-radar horror films. Pin, The Lady in White, and American Gothic. I watched American Gothic and at first, it seems so fucking generic Canadian horror movie. Then all of a sudden, there's this thing that happens. It gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And you are going to love it. I'm very excited. Because uh, the last time I saw a movie like that was The Brood. 
Yo. I would love to see another movie like that. Yeah, all three movies, uh, critically acclaimed, have a cult following. I just never got around to watching Pin or American Gothic before. And I've never seen Lady in White, but everybody tells me I have to. So those are the three, like, really under-the-radar, independent, barely-released horror movies that got a lot of good word about them. So that will be the next episode. All right, I'm excited. All right, so if you're listening, uh, I've given up on my Twitter, so don't bother going there. That's a hell mouth that I don't want to toy with anymore. So just uh, subscribe, uh, go on Facebook, we're under Hit Rewind, and that is it for tonight, everybody. You're all entitled to a good scare. (laughs) Beautiful. Love it.